0: Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast Shorts with Jeremy and in this episode I'm going to continue two scenarios on the Lothlorien campaign part of Defence of the North and they're called Trapped on Both Sides and Final Assault on Lothlorien. I've been playing through these scenarios. I played through each of these once and looking forward to the final one as well, which we'll talk about at some point in the future. But I've enjoyed these scenarios put, putting the Lothorian elves of a couple of new heroes against orcs and goblins with some a very interesting force. It's basically the legendary legion, but played in a way that's probably a little bit nicer than my opponents. So let's start with Trapped on Both Sides. Trapped on Both Sides. The mortar assault on Lothorion has not gone unnoticed by other unsavory beings that have long sought to attack the borders of the Golden Wood. The sound of the elves and orcs fighting within the trees has reached the pointed ears of those goblins from the Misty Mountains that no longer dwell within those mountains themselves, but instead live at their base amongst the fell creatures that also make the foot of the mountains their home. Upon hearing the orcs assault upon Lorien, The goblin shamans that have taken up the mantle of leading the goblins and beasts at the foot of the mountains see an opportunity to join the war against the Elves and bring ruin and death upon the Galadrum. Gathering as many of their kin and other vile creatures as they can, the goblins known as Druzag and Ashrak lead them east into the Golden Wood and towards war. Whilst Orifin has been leading the Elves against the Orcs of Mordor, reinforcements led by his brother Rumil have made their way from Karas Galathon to aid those already in battle. However, the arrival of Rumil is followed swiftly by nightfall and a band of goblins of the Misty Mountains. And now the Galadriel find themselves trapped between an army of Orcs to the east and a horde of goblins to the west, who both seek to bring death upon them. So in this scenario, we introduce the Goblin forces led by Druzag and Ashrak into our campaign. We've got similar to participants to the last one with some I- extras. So in Trapped on Both Sides, we have Rumil, orfan and a Wood Elf captain with elf bow. We've got the twenty-four Glaedrim warriors, just a plastic box set, so eight, eight, eight. Twelve Wood Elf warriors, four, four, four. So four with throwing daggers, four with elf spear, and four with bow. And then four guards of the Glaedrim court and one Wood Elf sentinel. On the evil side, we've got Muzgar, the Orc Shaman, Druzag, the Caller, Ashrak and an Orc Shaman. Oh, sorry, Ashrak and an Orc Shaman. So we've got four magic users altogether, And then 24 Orc Warriors, just a plastic box set. So 8844, whatever. Six Orc Trackers, six Wild Riders. two of them with Shield, two of them with Throwing Spear and two of Orc Bow. We usually just put Shield on the Throwing Spear ones because that's how I've got the models done. And then we've got, uh, I said the Trackers, 24 Moria Goblins, uh, shield, Spear, Bow, 888, 8, four Venom-Back Spiders, and two Wagner Marauders. So in this one, I've got two Wagner Marauders from Games Workshop, but I chose not to use those. I use the, the Devel uh, miniatures, Devel games, whatever, STL ones instead. I really like the look of those, but most of these models are, are Games Workshop that I use, although my trackers are still from Thunderbolt Mountain. Anyway, we've got um, a very headed, heavily wooded 4x4 board, which is pretty consistent with the scenarios in this part of the campaign, Uh, The good player deploys in the center, and then the evil side's on either side. And it's a 12-turn game. So you've got to stay for 12 turns, and you've got to stay within the middle. So whichever side has uh, the most models in the middle. The special rules are the cover of darkness. So this is the night kind of rule. So the battle takes place at night. Due to the reduced visibilities, models cannot be targeted by shooting, magical powers, or special abilities over 12 inches away. However, as it is much harder to avoid a shot in the dark... All shiny attacks gain a bonus of one plus from rolling to wound. Models with a cave dweller special rule can see as normal. Okay, we play this one a little bit different to the FAQ because I don't like the FAQ, and it's a scenario, so I play it like I, I can, like I want to. Basically, we give the the goblins the 18-inch bows so they can shoot, and the the orders as well because they've got goblins on them. But we don't take away the bonus to wound them. It probably doesn't make a huge difference, but I just don't feel like it's. It's in there. Like, they can see they can go a little bit longer. I just... The whole sort of fluff behind the, the 1 plus the wound, it, it's, it feels weird. Anyway, the dark magics, uh, the evil models can re-roll any number of D6 when making a casting roll, which is good fun. It means that they can use their spells, and you've got a lot of them. And then, defend the golden wood. All good models automatically pass any courage tests they're required to make. Now, this is going to be very similar to the next scenario, which we'll go through very soon. But basically, in this one, uh, you've got... An elf force, which notably has no banner. It's got a decent fighting force, but it's surrounded by the evil army. So uh, I played this with Kylie, and what she did as the good army was to go really, really hard at the goblin side of it to try and take down uh, Druzag, which I think she was successful with, but it did mean that that her captain, uh, the wood elf captain, and also Rumel were caught a little bit out, and I was able to, to take them out before they got back to the middle. So it was... It was a scenario where I was the evil side, and I didn't feel under particular pressure through most of the game. I had a lot of models that basically, I, I wasn't very far away, so I pushed all my non-valuable models forward, and then just engaged all the elves, and once they were engaged, then those spiders and the wargs would come out and do some damage. Now, uh, Kylie did disrupt my plans a little bit, but not a huge amount, and probably not enough to cause problems with it. So I would have won this very comfortably like I had had all the models in there and in the end I I wiped her out so I had all the elves dead by 12 turns but it was just all the elves dead by 12 turns it was really really close at that point so I feel like this one if I was going to play it again I would set the scenario rules for the objectives that if there are elves within the middle the best evil player can get is a draw or the best they can get is a draw and then if all the elves are gone the evil player can get a win So, elves win if they have more models. Even then, I think that's going to be really hard to do. Uh, Draw if there's an elf left. And then, for the evil, just they have to wipe them out entirely. I still think it's a little bit hard for the good side. And I still think there should be a banner in here. I can get why the evil side doesn't have a banner. I prefer they do. I think they should have an orc banner. But I get it. They're a little skirmish force, which is mostly focused on the beasts and monsters. and, And led by magicians who probably aren't as concerned with formations and banners and things like that fine but they also got their full fighting armor on they've got their full fighters they've got Rummels decked to their from head to toe in the the war gear like like they've got their guards of the Gladrum court give them a banner you've just released a guard of the Gladrum court banner Let, let's use that or let's just use a a banner from from one of the other sets I don't know it feels really strange that there's no banner in this one it feels like it's missing it and some of the scenarios in this book have a banner I think the Easterling ones early on do so they know about banners the the designers, clearly understand that banners exist i'm just not sure why they wouldn't put it in the scenarios and it just makes it more interesting and the elves have a small area that they're a bit better at fighting and they can hold their own because when it, when they're throwing the same amount of dice as the evil side they botch and then they they die whereas if they've got the banner they've got a lot better chance of holding on so that's what i'll do to make changes to that uh if you don't want to change participants which i usually don't like don't add the banner but i would change the victory conditions you can also change the turn length in these ones as well and and give a more strict time limit as well. That that could be fun. But I did enjoy that scenario, and and it it was not like I was going to lose, but it was an interesting contest, and Kylie enjoyed the the assassination of heroes and trying to take out my resources, which is fun as well. Anyway, let's move on to The Final Assault on Lothlorien. The Final Assault on Lothlorien. Lothlorien has been embroiled in all-out war. The orc army that marched from Mordor has been joined by a rabble of goblins, wargs and other creatures that have come from the base of the Misty Mountains. Together they have forced the gladrum armies back to Karras Galathon, and now they prepare to launch one final attack on the elven city with the intent of conquering it in the Dark Lord's name. Under the cover of darkness, Muska leads his orcs north towards Kallaskadron, whilst Druzag and Ashrak command the goblins and beasts to follow. Though the plan was originally to have the reinforcements from sauron's forces in mirkwood and erebor the orcs instead have the mori goblins as their allies and so prepare to launch the final assault upon the owls of the golden wood however calis Galathon is well defended the brothers Rúmil and Orophin command the golden clad warriors of the galadrim and the wardens of calis galathron the most elite of all lothorians warriors even gladru and Caliborn have come to fight against the threat of mordor they know that their people will require every ounce of strength and courage to overcome the combined forces of orcs and goblins, and now seek to destroy them. So that's an interesting introduction with the the Wardens of Calus Galathron. I wonder if that's Guard of the Galadrim Court. Probably. Probably the same models, but just, just named slightly differently. So this scenario, we've got very similar to, similar to the last one. So if you've got the last one done, you're probably pretty close to this one. It's an identical board, but you've got Galadriel with the mirror and Caliborn with the heavy armor shield and elven-made sword. And then everything else is pretty similar, except you get another Wood Elf Sentinel. So you've got three in total there for the good side. And then for evil, it's very, very similar once again, except you've got eight Venomback Spiders instead of four and three Wag Marauders instead of two. So pretty similar. I, kinda, I like that. I like that once again, no banner, Uh, come on, you're bringing Galadriel, you're bringing a mirror, you're carting around this heavy thing, bring a banner, why not, have a flag, I'm pretty sure they had flags in, I don't know, do they have flags in the movie, carry them around, who knows, anyway, uh, this one you set up good, is uh, within 12 inches of the north centre board and evil side's within 12 inches of the south side, it's got Galadriel's mirror in this one and I've got a opinions on Gladwell's mirror. I don't like now the new rules where being a heavy object, you can just cart around with ease. I don't like that. It doesn't feel quite right and it doesn't sort of suit what it is. I feel like it's a a spot where they can come back to and I don't like moving it. But then again, it also restricts the the good player moving around. I absolutely hate its interaction with things like Guahir where you can just strap it to Guahir's back and move it around. And maybe if it has to move it, you give it like the drum rule where it's not doing anything if it hasn't spent a turn on the ground it's just it feels weird to be just carting a mirror around, just looking in the mirror, filling up fate. It doesn't feel like what it is. I like it as being a a solid thing. It's like why don't the trolls carry around the campfire and, and why don't like this it just seems seems odd to carry it around. So we played around with that a little bit. I played David in this one. He took the elves I took the evil side. Again, uh, we kept the it's got the same special rules basically. So the cover of darkness is the same. We kept our house rule there. Dark magics is the same. Reroll D6 when casting. And then we also had uh, the Defend the Golden Wood, so elves, good model, sorry, pass any courage test they're required to take. And it's a scenario, so you don't really have break anyway. And then Gladrill is slain, and then if the Gladrill is slain, the game is immediately ended, and Evil's side is victorious. So you've got to protect Gladrill, which is hard to get to Gladrill. She's got a mirror, and she's got a bunch of elves around her, so that's kind of tough. It's going to be tough to get to Gladrill. Anyway, this is just a straight reduced to 25%. Uh, if you reduce your opponent to 25%, you're all good. If you don't, you're in trouble. And there's a lot of models. The good side has 47 models, so they've got to get down to 11 on the board. And the evil side has, was like, 74 models or something like that? I have to have to recount, maybe 75. There's a huge amount of models. So I had to get to about 19 left on the board. The Wag Marauders are stranger with this, and the Wag Riders are stranger with this. We just sort of set it at how many models left on the board, and just, while you mount it up as a Wag Marauder, you only count as one. I know David commented during the game that he wished there was break test in there as well, and and I guess everyone wishes there's break test when you're playing against evil, but I don't know. I still think it's it's decent that it's not. If uh, you play the story to the end, there's not that many more to kill. Anyway, once again, I was in a reasonably strong spot because I had the 18 inch bow, so I could advance kind of slowly. And David had to come at me, and he did, and he came at me pretty fast. And he had had some good results as well. Managed to. His heroes all did reasonably well. Our heroes sort of cancelled each other out. They spent the whole time focusing on each other and didn't really do a whole lot, except mine all ended up dead and David's all ended up alive, but with very low might. But my orcs and goblins were able to just whittle down the elves. And once again, no banner really does change this. It, it means that there's not a point where they're stronger at and have to rely on dumb luck, which is not always the best way. I really think both these scenarios would have benefited from an elf banner and would have looked really cool as well. Uh, This one was closer, though. I thought I was in a strong position the whole time and and was somewhat relaxed about it, just playing through. But in the end, uh, we worked out that if David killed four more evil models, I would have been reduced to 25%, which is pretty close, in all honesty. And there were some botches on both sides, of course, and some things that you do slightly different. But overall, it felt good. It felt like a, a nice scenario. There were so many models on the board, and that was a lot of fun to be able to put down all these models I set up nice and thematically. I had all my goblins on one side and all the orcs on the other side and that was fun as well just to do the the, the intermixing the inter, end up doing point smash game. So I quite enjoyed this one as well. Uh, only minor quibbles about it but they both feel okay. Like Neither of them... The one we played with Kylie, the trapped on both sides scenario felt like the victory conditions were pretty well unobtainable but the scenario itself was still fun. So both of these ones are scenarios that were enjoyable and will require a, a, a bit of a tweak. All the scenarios do. All require a bit of DIY. But I quite like that one. I thought it was a Oh, I like both of them actually. And I probably like the final southern thorin a little bit better. I think it's probably probably nicer to have those battle lines going and a bit more strategies. I still don't know what to do with the mirror. I think maybe we treat it like the the goblin drum where you can move it but you've got to put it down before you use it. In the end it had no use cuz Gladril and Caliborn never took any, but it wasn't really uh it wasn't really in the game. It was kind of a weird one. Yeah. Anyway, enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to the last one. Uh, if you get a chance, definitely play through the scenarios. I'm, I know that someone's going to comment and just say, well, they, they're not so balanced in that one, but that's because of the campaign. And I kind of disagree with that. I think that the campaign is a nice add-on story for it. But let's just go through what happens with the, the the campaign one. If you've won the previous campaign, the defense of Mirkwood, draws count as wins for the evil player, which is pretty good, or draw, draws count as good, wins for the good player, which is pretty good as well. So so you could be on draws or just wins, which is which is huge, and that throws off the balance entirely. Uh, the crossing of the Anduin. If you win the crossing of Anduin, the attack of Lorien scenario, a good player can have choose to have priority instead of rolling for it, and if evil wins that, the evil player can re-roll a d6 when attempting to cast a K. So that's pretty minor. It's not too bad. I like that for a victory condition, but once again, it's not going to change the balance entirely for the for the Attack on Lorien scenario. Attack on Lorien scenario is one where you're burning down the big tree. So that's, that one we needed to balance anyway. It wasn't balanced and, and that's not going to change it. Yeah. If the Attack of Lorien side goes to the good one, then the Trapped on both sides scenario is a good player could choose that the game end on the 11th turn if they wish. Okay, that's, that's good. But still, yeah, actually that's pretty good. Still not enough though. That was still almost effortless and it'll still probably be effortless. Uh, and if the evil side wins, Orphan starts with a single point of might. That is incredibly harsh. Because you only have, like, whatever is it, eight might or so like that. That's, that's so harsh. That's really mean. That's a mean one. And it's already in incredibly in the evil favor. So I don't believe that's, that helps with the balance. Makes it just tough. Trapped on both sides, uh, if the win for that goes to the good side, the final assault in Lothlorien, good hero models can re-roll ones to wound when making strikes. Eh, who cares? That's okay, but they're doing that anyway. But most of the time, they're fainting because they've got a gladron parking behind. So, don't care. Um, evil. If the evil wins, trapped on both sides, which is likely to do with the current scenario, then Rumel and Orphan both start the game with a single point of might each. Once again, incredibly harsh. These scenarios are all pretty much in favor of evil already. Um, except maybe the crossing of Anduin. The rest, evil side had a huge advantage, and I thought, and then to give them the better advantage. Once again, I don't think... I'm not going to... I'm not going to take that argument. And then the final assault on Lothlorien talks about the dol Goldor scenario, which we haven't played yet. But if the good wins the final assault on Lothlorien, which is going to be tough for them, then Galadriel may re-roll a single D6 when attempting to cast the Breakstone magic power. Anytime you get a re-roll, that's good. And then evil. and the fall of the dol Goldor scenario, Galadriel starts a game with only three points of will. That's harsh as well. Yeah, so that that's... That's pretty harsh. But that one's probably the closest one. There's some ones that just power up the evil side. I don't don't think evil side needs to be powered up in that one. So I don't... I don't think that. So someone when they say, oh, the the scenarios are only balanced for that campaign. You are not talking the truth, in my opinion. I don't think so. I think... I think they... The the small scenarios, they have a good go at playtesting them. I think the big scenarios are probably a lot of guessing and I think there's a lot of do-it-yourself in there and I'm okay with that now. I'm not too fussed about that. I love that they put these in. I love that they tell these little stories. It's a great way of being able to to tell the stories without lots and lots of uh, fans hating on them. It's not the best writing in the world, but it's a lot of fun and I I do enjoy it. I'll put up some photos and, and put this episode out. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe. We're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com the Green You can contact us via our Facebook page at the Green Dragon Podcast. Or, on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.